0: Very good. You guys are noisy people, but happy people. I love the joy of the Lord in this place. Amen. Yes. You guys act like you like each other. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Praise God. Well, I'm so excited for what God is stirring in our hearts and doing in our lives. Ah, don't you just love it when you just, you just sense him just, doing something new and fresh. And we just, we want to be part of that. We want to be a part of what God is doing. And that's something that we uh, are always trying to, you know, follow the, follow the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, right? We're always trying to see what, what, where's the Lord moving and what is he doing? And I want to do that. I want to go where that is. I want to have my heart stirred on that topic or in that realm or whatever God's breathing on. I want to follow that. So we were talking uh, last week, we talked about seeking the Lord, seeking God. You guys remember, anybody here last week? You guys remember anything about seeking God? Kind of the, the summary of, of last, uh, last week was um, we need to seek the Lord, and in order to do that, one of the ways that we do that is as simple as this. Give him your attention. Huh. Give him your attention. You ever been in the room with someone that wasn't in the room with you? Like, I don't mean like a ghost. I mean like another physical human being, but they're just not there. And they're talking, and you're like, yeah, and I did this. And I go, okay, yeah, and I did this, whatever. And you're like, okay. And you're like, you know they're not listening. And, you're like, and then I killed my neighbor, and I went, and I jumped off a, sky, that's a skyscraper. And they're like, yeah, okay, good. And you're not listening to me. Most of the people like that would be husbands, right? But that's not fun. It's not fun when we're not giving someone our attention. And so one of the ways that we seek the Lord, and we read that verse last time about just turning our attention to seek God, giving God your attention. And uh, just we had a text this week. Uh, They're not here this morning, but someone said they're kind of struggling with some stuff or whatever and was getting all frazzled, and then they're like, oh. And then I remember pastor's message about Paying attention to God. And so they just prayed and then it was just taken care of. Just like that. It's like it's a miracle. It's like God works miracles or something. <laughs> but as we seek the Lord, it sometimes that's that's a hard concept to figure out well, what does that exactly mean? We talked about that last week because you've got Jesus in your heart, right? Well, how do I seek something if I'm if I'm holding my cup of coffee? How do I seek my coffee? Well, I, in that sense, you—I have—I have it already. I don't, and so I think a lot of times when we read those verses about seeking the Lord, we're like, well, I don't need to seek God because I've already got God in my heart. I already—I know where God is. I'm—I'm I'm good with God. And that's not so much what it's talking about. It's talking about this heart posture of seeking what God wants to do in our lives and how we live out this faith and seek his his presence continually seeking an audience with him. See there's this deal that God is everywhere and yet there's this manifest purposes and plans of God that we want to see revealed in our lives. So, we're going to go to a different verse today. We're going to go to Psalm chapter 63. Here's verse 1. It says if I if I end up saying oh God you're my God. That's how I learned it. So this is a, a the whatever, the newer NIV version that says, you, God, which is wrong. It should say, oh, God, because that's what the verse is in my head. It says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Say, seek. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So let's just pick this apart a little bit. You with me? He says, you, God. I think there's a often when we have conversations especially more in the midwest where we're kind of religified around here like almost everyone's been to church somewhere at some time at one time or another we kind of have this idea of who god is and so we don't necessarily maybe always know jesus or know who god really is but we kind of know about god and so we we're kind of lulled into this sense of well yeah i know god right ever had any of those conversations for I, I know god and what David is saying here as he's writing this psalm, he starts out, he's saying, you God, Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah, you God. And he, he wanted to make sure that he's addressing God. And here's, here's what I think happens in a lot of, even in a lot of our lives. And it happens subtly and, and we don't really always realize it, but we forget to define God in our life. What are you talking about, Pastor? That seems kind of weird. I think sometimes we we, we want to, our flesh, let, let me say it like this, our flesh is always fighting to recreate God in our own image. We're always fighting to, well, we, you ever had, have you ever struggled with something you've read in the scripture, and you're like, Ugh, I don't know if God's really like that, Ugh, I, what? but it's his word. And so we want to make God a little softer, God's a little gentler, he's a little more fuzzy, right? More cuddly, he's a little warmer, he's a little, uh, right? And we kind of recreate this image of God so that it's more palatable to us. And uh, sometimes that's not really what we get when we look at scriptures. And so I feel like David is saying, you, God, the creator of the heavens, the God of Israel, whom he was king over. That the Israel was the Lord's people. David had seen a few people of Israel destroy tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of the enemy. David had faced up against Goliath, who David had never fought in his life, except for lions and bears and tigers, oh my, right? It doesn't say that. Just seeing if you're awake. I don't know if you're awake this morning. I like think you guys were so caught up in worship. Everyone's just like, out oh, now. <laughs> but uh, David was uh, not a fighter. He was a boy, and he, but yet he knew his God. And so there's this God that had showed up for him, but then there's also this God who, like, you can't even say his name. They take certain letters out of, you know, take the letters out of the name Yahweh so that they, they don't even say his name. They revere him so much. So he's wanting to make sure he's addressing God. And so a lot of times today, see there's a lot of characteristics of God. These are just a few of them I just threw down really quick. Uh, he's righteous, he's omnipotent, he's holy, he's good, he's just, he's impartial, he's infinite, he's patient, he's faithful, he's love, he's eternal. like and, and there's many, many, many more pages of these. And so here's what happens is when we, when we end up talking with with people who you know they don't necessarily have a relationship. They're, they're living in a way that's contrary to the word of God, and a lot of times what they'll throw back at you was, "Well, I know God is whatever," and often what we'll do is we'll pick one of these. God, God is love. That's a, that's just a that's a well. We know God is love. God is love, and so we can't be just. You can't be saying anything about anything because God is love, and that's true that God is love. But at the same time, He is love. He is also just. He's also holy. He's also pure. And so there's, you can't just take one characteristic out of, out of who God is and say, this is the representation of God. So, I don't know if, I'm being kind of vague this morning. I don't know if I'm being clear enough, but especially in progressive Christianity, when kind of anything goes and you kind of figure out this whole God thing on your own and you can live how you want and do whatever you want and well, we don't look at those scriptures because God is love. That is true that he's loved, but it's in the context of him being all these other things. And so God is holy. God is just. We love that God is just when our neighbor wronged us, right? And we're like, God, you are just. But when you're the one that gets busted, you don't like God to be so just. All of a sudden, we're like, no, no, God's merciful. <laughs> he's merciful. He's so merciful, Right? And so I, I just wanna just challenge us this morning and because we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of picking and choosing the attributes of God that we really like and making out God to be wholly that, where he's simultaneously all of these things. He knows the thoughts of our hearts. He's God, he's God, he's big G God. Split the Red Sea God, he's big G God. So David is, is, is referencing that when he's saying, you God are my God. And that's where the rubber meets the road. David's saying, you're not just Israel's God. This is all in the context of seeking the Lord. And that's what he's, he's going to talk about next year. He wants to reference who he's talking about. This holy, omnipotent, omniscient, outside of all creation, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-hearing, all-powerful God who is righteous and just. He's saying, you, God, God, are my God. That God, that God is my God. And he's talking to the Lord, but he's wanting to say, God, I want you to be my God. And that's, that's what we did here this morning. Just wanted to make sure. Guys, have you just been to church? Or is it your God? Is, it, is that, and not just the God that you've created, like the big G God, is that your God? Have you bent your knee to him? Have you surrendered to your heart? Damn, him. I was talking with a guy at the wedding yesterday and he's like, the Lord's just got me in this season right And He's been serving the Lord for decades. And he said, he's just really bringing me through the ringer on surrender. I'm like, oh man, I feel so sorry for you, <laughs> right? Because surrender is so difficult because we got to give up and let go and let God be God. And, but it's beautiful. And that's where the growth happens. And so David is saying, Big G God I know who you are I've heard of your fame I've seen your works I've watched you do what you do I'm not trying to change you I'm not trying to recreate you in my image I'm not trying to make you a little softer A little more palatable You, are, you live in the unapproachable light But here's what I say about you You're my God Whatever you are God You're my God However you describe yourself Whatever you say is your law and your word I'm all in You're my God You're my God and I just, I had, a, I had a couple thoughts just pop in my head as, as I was doing this it's to not get really sidetracked because this is really a whole nother message. But just, I thought about kind of in America in 20, like this, these are just so prevalent in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to write these down. As God is saying, as, sorry, David is saying, you are my God. God, you are my God. Like the, the God of heaven and earth, like Jehovah, big G God, you're my God, my personally. I don't just go to church and hear about you. I've personally surrendered my heart to you. You're my God. And I was just thinking about in America, just a couple of the things that seem to be really prevalent that we worship right now. One of them, and then we see this even in the church a lot, it just creeps in. We worship self. And and especially, not just self, because self is always there. Paul's like, I, I wrestle with this. There's always gonna be the flesh. But kind of in, in this cultural moment in America, we worship autonomy. I am who I am. And you can't tell me not to be me because I'm me. And that is the highest authority. So it's not just the selfish desires. It goes, it goes beyond that because that's just something that we all deal with. Has anyone never dealt with a selfish desire before? Anyone completely perfect? Okay. Curtis, anybody else? We all do. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that, that sin nature that's in all of us that is going to be completely eradicated in the new heaven and new earth. I'm talking about exalting self, like displacing other things and putting self as an object of worship. And uh, in our selfie culture and, like, our vanity, like, it's just, it's so prevalent. And it turns into more than just a superficial thing. It turns into an object of worship. I worship my ideas. I worship my thoughts. I worship, because you know what, Rick? My way is right, and my thinking is right, and I don't care what you have to say about me. It's wrong, and in fact, I'm gonna sue you if you say it, right? And we're aggressively protecting the God of self in America, our autonomy to do what we want, think what we want, Here, Hey, guys, I know this isn't a popular message. I don't throw all the papers you want at me today. Don't throw hard rocks, because they hurt my head. We worship, and this this is not a new one. We still, you know, we we did this really hardcore in the '80s, and it just didn't quit from there. So this is this is a this is an old god that has just kind of strung itself along. But man, you got to have the stuff, right? (laughs) This is the part where wise pastors stay wise and not pick on pet things that people like to have the right stuff because you get really hurt. By people that punch you in the head afterwards, but you you know what your stuff is, you and you know what the world is chasing after. You got to have the right stuff. This is not a new one. This is an old one. And it and it whether it's status or whether it's you got to have the right kind of things or the right brand names or the right stuff to to feel complete. Man, that's an act of worship. Hold on, that's me having the right stuff to feel fulfilled and complete. You know what that is? That's an act of worship those are worship words, those are worship words. When I have to have this stuff, whatever the stuff is, when I have to have that to be fulfilled and to be legit and to make my identity managed well, those are worship words, those are identity words and that, that's worship language and we, we elevate stuff. Stuff is good when we have stuff, it's not good when stuff has us. And when it's in the wrong spot, it becomes, and it it can become just an idol, or in America, it it can become a god. And this isn't just a big hardcore, you know, one of those messages, but I just wanted to point out just three things that are just really prevalent. This is, I mean, just, you know, thought these were bad, hang on to this one. sexuality. Wow. We've had sexual sin as long as there's been humans on earth. But beyond sexual sin We've we've elevated that to the point of something to worship. We now worship our sexuality. Man, you want to get people heated and like get thrown to the wolves. This is a topic that, boy, you just better just not talk about this if you don't want to get crucified. And here's here's the deal. When you put the first God and the last god together, you really you got you got this idol, this God of autonomy, and this God of sexuality. And not only can I do what I want, you better worship that along with me. And so you just we're, we're in this just bizarre place in America where we've, we've left reason, we've left reality, we've left common sense, and we've certainly left the word of God. And when you disconnect from the word of God, this was part of Marnie and I's conversation on the way home last night, because we were just talking about Man, just other conversations that we've had where people are so intense and, and evil is, is so prevalent. We're like, yeah, once you disconnect from the word of God, once you disconnect from the moral boundaries, all of a sudden it's, hey, what do you think is right? hey, what do you think is right? And that's great for a little bit because you're still, you're still smuggling in some of those religious values that even if you disagree with them, they're kind of ingrained in you. But once a generation goes by, and that's what we're seeing right now, once you've unplugged from God and his word and his morality, you've still got this leftover smell of religion. And I mean that in, the, in, the, in this context, in the good sense, this leftover s- hint of morality but once another generation gets raised up in that, they, they don't have that same grounding. Even if they rebelled against it, they have no concept of it. And so now, now and, it's, and it's in a way kind of not even their fault because they're, they've been taught, they've been groomed to feel that right is right as I define it and wrong is wrong as I define it. And guess what? My opinion is more valuable than your opinion. And when you get 300 million people that think like that, it gets to be quite the catfight, and so now we've got this whole—I mean, just honestly, not to be over dramatic—it's just demonic. This whole idea of self being worshipped and sexuality being worshipped—and it's just bizarre. And I really don't want to get off on a tangent because I want to go back to seeking the Lord. But just—we're in a place in America where most of the top women's awards and honors this this last couple years are going to men. I'm like, wait a minute. No, they're not men. They're they're transgender. No, they're they're boys. And we're so... It just got really tight in here. People are like, you're not really tight? Wait a minute. He's not really talking about that, is he? I really am. Guys, we got to be not only grounded to the Word of God, but the Word of God helps us be grounded to reality. And this is not a big hateful... Th- I'm, I'm just... This is kind of like a... Help me walk through this for a second. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. I'm trying to say, hold the phone. Me encouraging you to embrace something that has no bearing on reality and for sure is against the Word of God does not help you. And so I want to be honoring. I want to have good conversations about this. You know me. I'm not a pound the fist on that. You're, you're all like, I have those thoughts sometimes, but. I would way rather have a conversation about this. So this isn't hateful. This isn't this isn't being angry. This is going, wow, when this happened, Like, it's not beneficial for me. When I see what the remedy is, and I don't share that, it's reconnecting to the word of God, and what God says goes goes, and what he says doesn't, doesn't. Because nothing beneficial happens as we pursue these kind of gods. All right, I'll be done with that now, but I just... I thought it clarified our cultural moment just a little bit. And so we go back to this, and David is saying, God, you're my God, earnestly I seek you. Some versions say, early I seek you. Some versions say, eagerly I seek you. But there's an intentional, passionate, energetic, and continued seeking of the Lord. And that's what we want this church to be about that's why I'm preaching week after week on seeking the Lord it's not I came to Jesus about 43 years ago man that was good <laughs> what's God done in your life well he's just he's God and I'm me and we just go on our merry way what do you still pray well we pray for our food hallelujah bless the Lord I don't know why I'm southern now all of a sudden <laughs> <I> mean, just <laughs> not trying to pick on anybody But it's so easy to get, am I lying to you? Is it not so easy to go, hey, I'm good with God. We did that thing a long time ago and whatever. I'm just living my life and God's doing his thing. He loves me. He's good. I don't know. My just accents get really weird all of a sudden. But what I'm challenging and what I'm saying, what I want to see is a living, breathing, thriving relationship with Jesus that isn't just about checking boxes and I got to do this and I got to do that. It's I'm seeking the Lord. I'm chasing after his heart. I want to hate the things he hates and love the things he loves. I want to be Jesus to people that are lost. I want God to be vibrant in my life. I want to hear the voice of the Lord. I want to see my prayers answered. I want to see my family know God. I want the favor of the Lord upon my life. So I'm seeking him and I'm seeking his face. That's not just a one-time thing. That's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and do it all over again the next week kind of thing. That's a everyday, I'm posturing my heart to seek the Lord, and that's what David is saying here. God, the big G God, splitter of the Red Sea, maker of heaven and earth, not who I've defined in my mind, but you're my God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're my God. I bend my knee to you. I bow my knee. Whatever I think, if it doesn't line up with you, I'm wrong. You're right. You are my God, and God, today, I seek you. God, I want to be found by you. I want to find you. I want to see your face. I want to know you, Lord. That's right. right? Yes. That's all I got. That's I like gave it all right there. Earnestly I seek you. Eagerly I seek you. Passionately I seek you. Well, that just sounds like a lot of work, <laughs> man. If you don't, you die, right? If we don't keep our hearts engaged in that pursuing of God. I love Jesus. He loves me. Jesus loves me. This said no. Before the Bible tells me so, that's just enough. No, it's not enough. It's not enough because we're continually being discipled by the world. We're continually being shaped by our misordered desires. We're continually being trapped into evil thinking. So day after day, I want to set my heart to seek the Lord, earnestly seek the Lord. Charles Spurgeon says this, possession breeds desire, how can I seek another man's God? But it is with ardent desire that I seek after him whom I know to be my own. He's saying, when, when you're saying, God, you're my God, you're in a position now. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to pursue you, God, because you are my God. I believe what you say. I'm listening to your word. I'm hungry for an encounter with you. I'm going to keep seeking you. That's been, that's been the cry of our church. When I, when I explain our church... And when I explain, and I don't do this often to you guys once in a while, you'll hear me say, but if I'm talking to someone else or if I'm talking with people that just are are questioning, why do you, why do you do this? Why do you do that? And I, and I don't have any other words other than it's a phrase that we adopted probably 15, 20 years ago. It's the more of God, the quote, M-O-R-E quote of God, the more of God. And whatever that is, what, that's what we're chasing after the more of God. We're chasing after the more, as if you want to know what the leadership of COC is about, we're chasing after the more of God. And that doesn't always just mean more worship or more preaching or more, it means, it means whatever God is offering in this moment, whatever he's doing, whatever he's breathing on, whatever he wants to do in our lives, we want to see more of that. When God's healing and restoring marriages, yes, I'll take two, Right? Like, do more of that. When God's healed, healing bodies, yes, double that. Yep, we want to see more of that. When God's convicting us of sin, ouch, yes, more of that, please. Lots more of that. Whatever it is, whatever God is doing, I want, I want to see more. I have not seen all the things that I want to see, and even if I had, I know that I have not exhausted the king of heaven. There's more, church. That's why we set our hearts to seek him, because there's more. There's more. There's more. E.M. Bounds. <laughs> he was lived a long time ago, but he says, uh, "He who fritters away." <laughs> I love that. He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunities and its freshness in other pursuits than seeking God, will make poor headway seeking Him the rest of the day. If God is not first in our thoughts and our efforts in the morning, He'll be in the last place the remainder of the day. Isn't that kind of true? I'm not a morning person, so my the first two hours of my day starts like this. <sighs> okay. Yeah, Shh. Sh- uh. <laughs> right? So if you're calling me with deep theological issues at, you know, like 915, just don't. I'm just, just, I'm going to say Google it. I don't I don't know. Just give me a minute to, so I kind of chuckle at stuff like that, but isn't it so true? If you don't set your heart, the first thing that you do, man, if you don't set your heart on seeking the Lord, when you go to bed at night, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I didn't give God my attention today, did I? Hmm. So back to Psalm 63. I thirst for you. God, you're my God, and I eagerly, I earnestly, I passionately seek you. I thirst, listen to this language. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land. Let me, (laughs) I've got a bunch of old English guys today, so I'm going to read this next one. Just struggle through the language, but catch the sentiment. They're so good, though, and it makes us think. Matthew Poole says, the desire of my soul after thee is so vehement vehement and insatiable that my very body feels the effects of it as it commonly doth of all great passions. <laughs> Let me read a couple more and then I want to just challenge you with something. Charles Spurgeon says, He who truly longs for God longs for him now. Holy desires are among the most powerful influences that stir our inner nature. Thirst will be heard. The whole man must yield to its power. Even thus, it is, with, even thus is it with that divine desire which the grace of God creates in regenerate men. Only God himself can satisfy the craving of a soul really aroused by the Holy Spirit. And so if we go back to that Psalm 63, verse 1, if we go back to that, and we see this language that says, I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you. There's a large number of you in here that would probably say, that's weird. I don't know that my body's ever longed for (laughs) you, right? I don't even want to say that out loud. It sounds weird when I say it. And I'm just going to challenge you. Here's my challenge for you today. My challenge for you today is that you have, and you just don't know it. Every human has intense longings and desires. And because of sin, and because of wrong thinking, and because of what the devil did, and Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, we are all born with this propensity to have what some people, some writers back in the old days called disordered desires. Disordered desires. And so we've got God-given things that are passionate within us, and they end up looking like addiction and broken relationships and things like that that we get just, we're passionate about, but it's a desire for God. that it's an, The itch is, is a God itch that we're trying to scratch with something else. So you guys, not this, but the verse, you read that, and you're like, I thirst for you. My body longs for you. You're like, that's just weird, dude. I'm just saying it. I'm just, you know what? It's 2023. We don't talk like that. That's weird. And I'm just saying you have. You have thirsted for God in your body. You're, you've shaken for the Lord. You just didn't know it was God that you were looking for. You've tried to satisfy that intense desire inside of you for the real king and the lover of your soul, the one who formed you and knit your DNA together with something other than him. Yeah, I didn't ever do that. Yeah, you did. You just didn't know you were longing for God. No, I'm pretty sure it was pepperoni pizza I was longing for. No. But even that, even that intense desire, like we want only God can, like, have you ever tried to fulfill your desires on food? Ugh. I've told this story before, but we're, we're pretty, nah, not pretty, somewhat strict in our house with food and treats and stuff, especially when our kids were little. And so one year for Christmas, we got a three foot high thing of gumballs. I had been like 40 bajillion gumballs in there. And we only had one rule. There's no rules. Like don't get gum on the carpet and stuff, but you eat them all, like, you know what? Eat them things. Eat them, swallow them, spit them out outside. I don't care what you like. Just chew them up, chomp them out. Just eat gumballs. Just go ahead, eat. Because we don't ever do that. So part of the present was just this unbridled freedom to have as much as you want of it. About halfway through those tubes, both of our kids said, we don't ever want to see a gumball in our life again. <laughs> ever. Never. We don't want to talk about gumballs. We don't want to see pictures of gumballs. Because it, they're trying to satiate a desire in us. Right? It's really a God desire. It's really a God desire. And God is the only one where we can let loose like that. You cannot overindulge in God. Because if you, just, if you just overdosed on him, you'd just be absorbed into him and we already are in Christ, right? Like you just, it's who created you. That's your maker. That's so good. And a couple more quotes about this kind of subject. And Alexander McLaren, another older guy, said, I need not remind you how true it is that a man is but a bundle of appetites, a bundle of desires, often tyrannous, often painful, always active. But the misery of it is, the reason why a man's misery is great upon him is mainly, I suppose, that he does not know what it is that he wants, that he thirsts. But he does not understand what the thirst means, nor what it is that will slake it. What is it that's going to satisfy this thirst in me? He goes on to say, blessed are they who know where the fountain is, who know the meaning of the highest unrests in their own souls, and can go on to say with clear and true self-revelation, my soul thirsts of God. What he's saying is, how blessed are you when your soul is ravaged and you're at unrest and you're guy, I need to buy something. come on, Amazon. Bring me some comfort and solace. right? Come on, chocolate ice cream. come on, come on coffee. Oh, that's a hard one for me, right? When this disordered desire is ravaging our souls, what he's saying is, Blessed are they who know where the fountain is, who know the meaning of those highest... I know the meaning of what's going on in my soul. We're able to recognize that and go, my soul, as David did, my soul thirsts after, God, I think it's pepperoni pizza, chocolate ice cream, and coffee. But no, I really know that I'm longing for you. I'm longing for you. And so that's my challenge for you today. You have thirsted for God. You just haven't sought him in those moments, that's why it's so important for us to seek God because we keep turning those desires towards something that not, is not satisfying and is not godly. And it's not meeting that need that God has put in. God's the one that put that unrest in you. And you're all trying to fill it with your new outfit, your ring and your jewelry and your coffee. Gosh. As am I. As are we all. But now we're made aware of it. That we've got these intense longings, these intense thirsts in us, these intense hungers that can only be satisfied by God. But I know Jesus, yeah, but are we seeking him? When's the last time we saw the Lord? I sat right where George is sitting, maybe it was one row back, but I think it was right there. It was two weeks ago, and I hadn't even gotten to these verses yet and i and i can say that physically i thirsted for the my my body was wrenching I'm like god i want to know you god i want this church to know you god i want our hearts to be caught up in you god i want what this place is about to be nothing less than you all of you all of us for all of you and i just my body groaned for the lord god i want to meet you meet me here today and he does and he did But I set my face to seek the Lord. God, I want to meet with you. God, I need to have you. God, satisfy this need in me and meet your church. Fill us, Lord, with your power. I pray that for you guys. Man, you guys have no chance. I just pray that for you guys all the time. That it would awaken our souls. That you would be not satisfied. That you would have a distaste for the things of the world. That a spirit of conviction would rise up in you and a spirit of revival would overtake you and a spirit of worship would grip your heart. I pray all the time for you that sin would become unappealing and that the presence of God would be life. I pray all the time that you'd be drawn to him. I pray all the time that your soul would awaken to the things of God. I pray all the time that you would be about the kingdom of God. Yes. So sorry if I'm ruining your fun. (laughs) Man, there's so much greatness in this room. There's so much power of God in your lives. There's so much beauty in your DNA that God has written out that he's just waiting to see fulfilled in your life. Finishing up here. He says, I've seen you. This is Psalm 63, verses two now. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. Charles Spurgeon once again says, life is dear, but God's love is dearer. To dwell with God is better than life at its best. Life, at, better than life at ease, life in a palace, better than health, honor, better than wealth, and pleasure, Yea, A thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. Let's finish up here. He goes on, he says, I will praise you. Because your love is better than life, my lips will... Oops, I missed one. My lips will glorify your name. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing, my mouth will praise you. Say, will. Will. Say, I will. will. No, say, I will. I will. Well, if the Lord moves me this week, I may spend a little more time with... Shut up! I will. Come on, I will you're the boss, not you. (laughs) You got a spirit and you've got a flesh. You're the boss, not you. (laughs) Your spirit. Come on, make a decision. Here's what David's doing. He's saying, I've got this thirst and this desire to seek the Lord. So, so I will. I've seen God in the sanctuary. I've seen what he can do. So here's what I'm going to do in response to that. I will seek him. I'll get up early. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to praise you as long as I live. I'm going to be fully satisfied. And we're going to set the course of our life to seeking him. Well, I hope the Lord moves me to read the Bible a little bit this week. He hasn't been doing that lately. What? Come on. I will. I will. If you don't. You've got all this passionate desires that's going to chase something else. Come on, church. We're just about done. We're winding down. We're closing. We're landing the plane. Man, I don't want to see you guys all stuck in that junk when it's just your, your desire trying to find Jesus. No, I know you know Jesus already. I, I get it. You're going to heaven. That's great. But you still got to live on earth. So seek the Lord. Man, you got some years on this earth, so seek the Lord. Come on, you got a family to lead, so seek the Lord. Come on, you got a work to go to, so seek the Lord. you got neighbors that need to know Jesus, so seek the Lord. Come on, let your soul be fully satisfied in him. Blaise Pascal, he lived a long time ago. He says, if God exists, the not-seeking God must be the greatest, gravest error imaginable. If one decides to sincerely seek for God and doesn't find God... The lost effort is negligible in comparison to what is at risk in not seeking God in the first place. So what he's saying is, what do you got to lose? Come on, church, what do you got to lose? Five more minutes of sitting in your recliner, right? What do you got to lose? Not having that 14 slice of pizza? Come on, what do you got to lose? What if if it really is a God itch in you that needs to be scratched by Jesus himself? What if your soul really is thirsting for the Lord? And I just got news for you, it is. (laughs) You just might not be convinced of it. I think this is the last one. It is. Yep. St. Augustine. He lived a really, really, really long time ago. He says, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek him is the greatest adventure. And to find him the greatest human achievement. The end. Man, I hope you guys are listening today. I hope your hearts are stirred. If not, I'm still praying for you. Because <laughs> God's doing what God does. And you don't stand a chance. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus that that the persistence of God is infinitely stronger than my greatest resistance. Come on. You happy about that? You guys ever had a dumb day? <laughs> you just didn't do what you should have done? Aren't you glad that the persistence of God is greater than your greatest resistance? God's chasing after your heart. Set your heart to chase him. God's chasing after you. You respond by continuing to chase after him. Seek the Lord. Tell someone, seek the Lord. Amen. Father, I just pray for this body. I thank you that you're stirring our hearts today. Thank you, God, that you helped us to recognize it. At least I pray that's what happened today. Helped us to recognize that a lot of these desires that I think are my desires, are my desires to know you, that they just get pointed at something else. Pray that we would all seek you all the days of our life. I will choose to seek you. I will set my heart on you. I will pursue you, God, passionately, consistently, eagerly. Bless us today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.